Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, the mystery children's illness. The alarming disease possibly linked to COVID-19, impacting kids, putting 15 in intensive care. A health alert sent out to all doctors in New York City to be vigilant. One dad's heartbreak. It was the scariest point in my life. I, there was nothing anyone could do. They prepared me for the worst. What parents need to know tonight and what it could mean for schools in the fall. Vaccine whistleblower, a top scientist says he was ousted for raising the alarm with the White House about unsafe drugs and the lack of masks and other protective equipment. The president unmasked. Traveling across the country for the first time in months, the president tours a factory in Arizona recently retooled to make N95 masks, but he's not wearing one. Racing to a cure. Tonight, the first Americans receive an experimental vaccine amid word of a mutant strain more contagious than the original strain from China. Where's the beef and the pork? Wendy's can't keep burgers on the menu at all of its stores the higher prices at the grocery store. Sniffing out COVID. Can dogs detect coronavirus? The Ivy League school testing the power of a dog's nose. And tonight, our salute to mothers. We'll meet a woman who's not only a hero at home, but also on the COVID front lines. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. As we come on the air tonight, coronavirus infections are still growing in much of the country. Just as we're learning, there is now a more powerful mutant strain of the virus that is even more difficult to treat. There are now more than 20,000 new confirmed cases every day here in the United States. And while cases are declining in the New York City area, the epicenter of the crisis, 
Elsewhere, the rate of infection is rising. Still, 44 states are moving forward with lifting restrictions. And tonight, President Trump is acknowledging those moves to reopen could lead to even more deaths, telling reporters today that Americans should, quote, think of themselves as warriors. While touring a factory in Arizona, the president also confirmed his coronavirus task force is winding down to be replaced by new advisors focused on the economy. What that task force was told earlier this year and how quickly it chose to act is part of a scathing whistleblower complaint filed today by the administration's former point person on vaccines. Rick Bright says he was demoted after trying to stop cronyism and politics around the response to COVID-19. Well, you can tell there's a lot to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is covering all of it. CBS's Mola Lenghi is going to lead us off tonight in New York City. Mola? Well, Nora, while deaths in New York are down significantly from their peak just a few weeks ago, we're still losing more than 200 people a day to this virus. So many that bodies are being stored in makeshift morgues, like those white refrigerator trucks that you see behind me there. And that is why there is so much hope in this experimental new vaccine that could be ready by this fall. This is the moment one of the first U.S. patients got a dose of a potential lifesaver. 360 healthy volunteers will initially get the two-dose treatment of Pfizer and its German partner BioNTech's clinical trial vaccine. It's the beginning of uh, trying to get to the end of the pandemic. Dr. Edward Walsh from the University of Rochester Medical Center is helping run the study. What we learn from this vaccine study, even if not the final and end all effective vaccine, uh, will provide us data that will help move possibly other vaccines forward. The evolution of the COVID-19 virus could also impact treatment. A new study concluded that a mutated strain from Europe, which migrated to the East Coast, is more dominant than the original strain from China. Scientists from the National Lab in Los Alamos say that the new mutation is more contagious, creates more of the virus inside the body, and can reinfect COVID-19 survivors. Still, at a North Carolina protest against social distancing orders, demonstrators waved signs calling the pandemic a scam. This as 24 states saw new cases increase last week from the week before. Only two of those states have resisted loosening lockdowns. In Texas, the governor now says barber shops and salons can open Friday, but Dallas salon owner Shelly Luther, who ripped up a citation she received after illegally opening her shop last week, will spend the next seven days in jail. In the epicenter of New York, a historic first. The city will shut down the subways overnight to begin using UV light to sanitize the trains and stop the virus's spread. Meanwhile, deaths in nursing homes increased, now topping more than 4,800. All it takes is one person to bring that virus in there. And you do everything you can, but at the same time, you can't do everything. Kentucky nursing home staffer Michelle Rose Thompson did what she could. The 58-year-old volunteered to work in her facility's COVID-19 ward. She lost her battle with the virus last week. Another sign that the worst is hopefully over, at least for now. Here in New York City, the city said that the surge in 911 calls for ambulance service is down by half from its peak just a few weeks ago. Now, as far as that vaccine trial, it's important to note that that September target date is a best case scenario. Nor this is a process that typically takes years. All right, Mola, thank you.
And tonight, for the first time, we're getting an inside account of the scramble within the Trump administration as it tried to get a handle on the unfolding pandemic. Today, ousted vaccine expert Rick Bright filed a formal whistleblower complaint alleging his warnings were ignored. CBS's Weijia Zhang is traveling with the president in Phoenix. Weijia. Nora, Rick Bright's complaint lays out in detail just how devastating he predicted the coronavirus would be and how he tried to get his superiors to listen. Tonight, President Trump is not addressing the bombshell report, focusing instead on reopening the country. On his first big trip in over a month, President Trump ditched social distancing guidelines to greet the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, and later toured a mask production line without wearing one himself. With governors continuing to complain about a shortage of testing and protective equipment, the vice president's acknowledgement that the coronavirus task force will be wound down is raising questions. Top health advisor Anthony Fauci told CBS News he was unaware of the plans. Mike Pence and the task force have done a great job, but we're now looking at a little bit of a different form. In a new whistleblower complaint, Rick Bright, who was ousted from his job leading the administration's efforts to find a vaccine, claims he warned the White House in January of the crisis that was coming but was ignored. Bright says he encountered resistance from HHS leadership, including Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, who appeared intent on downplaying this catastrophic threat, and that Bright's persistent demands for urgent action had caused an S-storm. Bright also warned in January the U.S. would need 3.5 billion N95 masks and suggested putting together a disaster leadership group. HHS official Robert Kavlik, whom Bright accuses of gross mismanagement, says that's appropriate, but not sure if that is a time-sensitive urgency. One of 50 attachments to the complaint is a February 9th memo from Trump advisor Peter Navarro, warning of a serious pandemic that could extend well into next year, and called for halting the export of N95 masks and buying all existing doses of remdesivir. Bright also says he was reassigned because he resisted officials who wanted to promote hydroxychloroquine and demanded that New York and New Jersey be flooded with these drugs. The president has claimed he didn't know about Bright. He was retaliated against because he refused to promote hydroxychloroquine. Bright's attorney, Deborah Katz, said her client believed he had a moral obligation to speak up. With respect to hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, he just decided he could no longer remain silent. CBS News has learned Bright has agreed to testify on Capitol Hill next week, and he hopes to get his old job back. Tonight, an HHS official says that he was transferred to a critical role at NIH, and they are disappointed he hasn't shown up for work. Nora? Weijia, thank you. There is more financial fallout from the pandemic. Disney reported its profits dropped 91% in the last quarter. And there are reports Lord & Taylor, in business for almost 200 years, could declare bankruptcy in the coming weeks. It may not survive. Gold's Gym also filed for bankruptcy, but says it hopes to keep its gyms open after some restructuring. Now to a mystery illness that's putting otherwise healthy children in the hospital. More than a dozen children in the New York City area have ended up in intensive care with severe symptoms possibly linked to coronavirus. All this as parents start thinking about camp and school. Here's our chief medical correspondent, Dr. John LaPook. 14-year-old Jack McMorrow loves music and video games. 
Two weeks ago, a rash on his hands quickly led to a fever of over 104 degrees. He was rushed to the ICU and tested positive for COVID-19. John McMorrow is his father. His heart rate was over 160. It was the scariest point in my life. I, there was nothing anyone could do. They prepared me for the worst. Jack finally responded to steroid treatment, and doctors continued to monitor his heart function at Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital in New York. They'll have a very fast heart rate. They'll, be, uh, they'll have a high fever. And if their heart rate still stays very high, they will oftentimes come to the ICU for extra support. Researchers are now investigating COVID cases like Jack's and the symptoms of a mysterious illness. It resembles Kawasaki disease. The New York City Health Department sent out an alert last night describing a pediatric multisystem inflammatory syndrome. Symptoms include persistent fever, rash, swollen lymph nodes, and inflammation of the heart, eyes, mouth, and skin. At Northwell Health on Long Island, Dr. James Schneider says he's seeing many more patients fitting this description than normal. I have 11 patients who currently fit this category of illness. So it's, uh, uh, it's much more prevalent than we would otherwise expect for typical Kawasaki disease. The severe inflammation throughout the body is felt to be an overreaction of the immune system to the coronavirus. Although severe disease in children is still relatively uncommon, as kids may start to return to school in the fall, doctors will be on the lookout for yet another unexpected symptom of COVID-19. Nora? All right, John, thank you. Tonight, grocery giants are putting a cap on how much meat customers can buy as the pandemic forces more processing plants to shut down. And at hundreds of Wendy's restaurants, managers are asking that famous question from a Wendy's ad campaign, where's the beef? CBS's Dean Reynolds now with the answer. Try ordering your favorite Wendy's burger this week and you may be disappointed. Some of our menu items may be temporarily limited, the company acknowledged today. At one drive through window, you could get an apology, but no triple cheeseburger. McDonald's, too, has begun parceling meat, while food stores, Costco, Kroger's, and others are limiting meat sales to three items to avoid panic buying, all of it tied to the slowdown at processing plants where several thousand workers have gotten sick. This Smithfield plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which had more than 800 cases of COVID-19, is reopening now and workers are being tested. But at the same time, other plants are closing, even as an executive order required them to stay open. COVID-19 outbreaks were confirmed today at four facilities in Iowa. This is the ripple effect. You can see all the shelves are empty. Danny Rodriguez restaurant serves tacos, but his supplier has little to fill them with. Every shelf, empty, 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 and prices going up, and there is no supply. Tyson Foods says pork production is down 50%, while analysts say wholesale prices are up around 40%. What will that mean for the grocery shopper? Is early in May, consumers are going to see higher prices. Glenn Tonsor is a professor of agricultural economics at Kansas State. I will not be surprised if during the month of May we have something around a 20% increase in meat prices in your grocery stores. And as a sign of the times, the Impossible Foods Company announced that its Impossible Burger, which is made with plants, will be available in 2,700 grocery stores nationwide starting this week. And it says it's ready to expand to meet the growing demand. Nora? All right. Thank you. 
Ivy League researchers are hopeful dogs can detect the coronavirus with their noses. Man's best friend has a sense of smell that is tens of thousands of times more sensitive than humans. CBS's Chip Reed reports on a tool that could be helpful to monitor the spread. This is Miss M. She's searching for a particular scent, and she knows that when she finds it, she can scurry off for a treat. Good girl. She and Pancho are two of eight Labrador retrievers working with the University of Pennsylvania's School of Veterinary Medicine, where researchers hope to show that dogs can sniff out COVID-19. This is not a pie-in-the-sky idea because dogs have sniffed out diseases before. Absolutely. Dr. Cynthia Otto is the director of Penn Vets Working Dog Center. They've done it with ovarian cancer. They do it with a lot of other diseases. So we're pretty confident that they can do it. Diabetic alert dogs can even sniff out blood sugar levels before they become dangerous. We also know that viruses have their own special signature. And dogs can recognize a virus in culture. If the dogs can successfully detect the coronavirus in someone with or without symptoms, the first dogs could be at hospitals, airports, and train stations within about six months. What is so special about dogs' noses that they can do this? Oh, dogs' noses are so amazing. I, I often use the phrase that dogs smell in color. So we think about the way we see the world with our eyes. Dogs see the world through their nose. Noses that might soon be protecting us from COVID-19. Chipri, CBS News, Washington. Now to a deadly shooting that's inflamed racial tensions in a Georgia community. Tonight, video has surfaced of an African-American man being chased down and killed. His family says he was just out jogging. We should warn you, the video is graphic. Here's CBS's Omar Villafranca. This cell phone video captures the final moments of Ahmad Arbery's life while he was jogging through this Brunswick, Georgia neighborhood in February. Arbery was confronted by Gregory McMichael and his son Travis, who shot Arbery twice with a shotgun before the 25-year-old collapsed and died. Arbery's mother, Wanda Jones. Proves that my son was not committing a crime. He was out for his daily jog and he was hunted down like an animal and killed. Gregory McMichael was the only witness in the police report. He told investigators he thought Arbery was a burglary suspect and ordered him to stop. McMichael then said Arbery violently attacked his son and the two fought over the shotgun before Travis shot him twice. At the time, no charges were filed. Attorney Lee Merritt represents Arbery's family. Nothing else after that video today, both of the McMichaels, uh, Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael should be behind bars. McMichael is a former law enforcement officer who used to work for the local DA. Due to conflicts of interest, the case is now on its third prosecutor who says he will ask a grand jury to bring charges. I'm hoping that all hands involved, they're indicted and they go to jail. CBS News reached out to the McMichaels, but they did not want to talk. The wheels of justice are moving slowly because of the coronavirus, but the prosecutor says he plans to present the case to a grand jury for possible charges once a grand jury can convene. Nora? Omar, thank you. Mother's Day is Sunday, so all this week we're honoring moms, including one who's busy caring for her grateful family and some very lucky patients. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Four-year-old Amina Malloy has a tough time sharing her mom. Amina 
Is it hard when your mom goes to work? Yes. It's almost 10 o'clock at night. She didn't want to go to bed without seeing me. Dr. Melanie Malloy works 12-hour shifts at Mount Sinai Hospital in Brooklyn. Everybody has coronavirus. Treating some of its sickest patients. And I think that's the hardest part, just being alone when I come home. Malloy's husband died two years ago, leaving her alone to raise Max, Leah, and Amina. It was devastating. It Obviously, redefined it her role as a mother, a job that inspires her even in these dark times. I just look at them and I think of all the possibilities that they could help the world with. That You know, I just I can't wait to see who they become in life. They want to be just like her, which may be the greatest Mother's Day gift of all. I looked up to my mom in career wise and um, and as my mom, she saves people's lives. Do you think your mom's a superhero? Yeah, I love her so much and her the best mommy in the world. She's the best mommy in the world? Thank you, baby. A super mom saving lives by day and molding three young lives at night. Meg Oliver, CBS News, New York. Very impressive. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, a mom couldn't see her newborn twins until she beat coronavirus. And if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.